Hello and welcome to another edition of Back of the Grid. I'm your host, Stu, and I'm joined, as always, by Tom. Hello. And by Chris. Hello. Hello. And we're here this week to talk about the upcoming Canadian Grand Prix, as well as catch you all up on all of the comings and goings in the world of Formula One and in motorsport, more widely speaking. Um, But before we get into any of that... If you're watching on YouTube, if you're new, hit the subscribe button if you like us. And um, yeah, don't forget, before we even kick into anything else, if you're listening in any other capacity, please do share um, this episode and all episodes of the podcast because it really, really helps us loads. So let's get into the news. We're going to talk a little bit about Le Mans to begin with, Chris. Ferrari won a thing. It's been a long time <laughs> since we got to say that, isn't it? <laughs> didn't mess it up. So good. And Charles Leclerc must be... You could see Charles Leclerc on the pit wall of that place thinking, oh, why can't the Formula you, 1 team be this good? Did you good? see the little interview with him after the race? No. It was kind of no, like, through gritty teeth, he was like, yeah, obviously really happy for Ferrari. It's really great to see them win. <sighs> Poor Charles. Mm. Um, what a race, though. That was such a good yeah, race. Yeah, it was a great it's one. It's one of the, really, really enjoyed that. One of the best I've seen in years, I think. I say it every year, but it was a 24-hour long sprint It race. really was, especially with the like sprinklings of rain at the start and stuff. So it just kind of, like it took six hours for the race to like really settle down and get like yeah. an idea of what the running order was. I think, I think in the hypercar class, every manufacturer led at some point during the 24 hours, which is... Yeah, the Peugeot led at some yeah, point. Yeah, the Peugeot had like, some I lead. I did did the, the house official um did the official Porsche factory team lead at all? I know the They did, yeah. Yes, they did yep. lead at one point. Yeah, yeah the yeah. um the customer one did. The Hertz Jota did. And crashed. Yeah, it it was it was phenomenal. Um came down to Ferrari two hours race in the end, um and Ferrari came out on top. Uh, Ferrari of James Collado, Alessandro Pierre Gudi, and Italian Jesus himself, Antonio Giovinazzi. Which is Italian just Jesus. like it's it's I find it strange that like when there's so many F1 drivers that were not great in F1 and got like quite a lot of flack in the time in F1. And then as soon as they go and do something else, the whole F1 community is like completely behind them. Like Grosjean got so much flack, but every time he seems to do well in Indy, like everyone's behind him. And like Marcus yeah. Ericsson gets the same thing in India. Now it's the same Joe of Nazi. Like everyone just seems really pleased for the guy. Interesting, that isn't it? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I guess like once. Well, first of all, like if you made it to Formula One and you performed at that level, then I think everywhere else you go after that, you're gonna be. You're probably gonna do all right. I think for for most drivers. Uh, not all drivers, but for you know a lot of drivers, they usually do. If they get they get themselves into a good team, then they've probably got the goods to to perform in that team. Yeah. So I think that's some of it. Like definitely with Grosjean and with um, with Giovinazzi and Ericsson, particularly Ericsson. Like who have thought Ericsson would be like setting the world on? I know. Fire? Yeah. Indy five hundred winner Marcus Ericsson. Yeah. He should have like, been just... two time winner. In fact. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, that's mm. let's not get into that. That ooh, no, no, no. <laughs> that's that's two weeks. That's two weeks ago. That yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we're, and we're only a preview episode. We're so we're talking about Formula One Grand Prix, not, not all that. Um, yeah. So it's yeah. I'm really pleased to see Antonio Giovinazzi win, and actually Ferrari. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really, really pleased to see them win 
the uh, when the Le Mans 24 hours. It's nice to see a different team um, taking the honours as well from Toyota, who've taken it. Goodness knows how many. Was it? Was it they were. Fifth, fifth, they were. Oh, I think yeah, I think they were. They were sixth. Yeah, they were. Yeah, this would have been their seventh in a row if they'd won. Yeah, they were on six. I think. It's funny how when there's when there's when there's other hypercars in the field, it's bit more difficult to win funny that isn't it (laughs) yeah you know i might have even said the same thing last year again but because but yeah like the last also like well since audi and porsche basically gave up they've had no competition have they pretty much until until this year they've had like literally no competition so yeah but i think it's great to see a really really varied field lots and lots lots and lots of hypercar teams Lots and lots of really, really fast, really, really cool looking cars. The Ferrari looks like a weapon. It looks amazing, yes, doesn't it? Car. It looks the awesome. Toyota, the Toyota looks really cool as well. I'm a bit of a Toyota boy anyway, so <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm always going to... I was a bit... I was kind of... I was happy that Ferrari won, but I was also a bit gutted that my boy's Toyota didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this was one of the first years in a while in Le Mans watching that hypercar class that... Obviously, it used to be LMP1s, but it is the first year for hypercar, I get that. But as in that top tier where I was kind of torn between who I was rooting for. So, like, mm. I really wanted Ferrari to do it just because the car looks amazing and it's got, like, drivers I can sort of instantly relate to, like, Geo in, in there and stuff like that. And then I'm a German kind of manufacturer. I'll instantly stick to those immediately. So Porsche is always on my list. You're an Audi boy. Well, I'm, I'm a, Mer- yeah, I'm a boy, Merc right, boy, yeah. aren't I? And then... Audi and Porsche by proxy and just like vag group will be fine if Merck isn't competing. <laughs> but then yeah. um You do you do love the vag. I love the vag. <laughs> and then but then like Toyota as well, like I'm with you, like Toyota's in terms of the fun road car side, like the GR line basically of vehicles. Yeah. That's what I'm down for as well. So like to watch those three going head to head was awesome. And there's so many more manufacturers like lined up to join Hypercar over the next couple of years. Um, yeah, as some as soon year, as next year. Next year, Alpine, Alpine, Lamborghini, and BMW are all joining. Yeah. Which is going to be. The and then <clears throat> Ford are like due to it? do it 2025, I think. They're due to yeah, be re entered. Right. Yeah. So, like, there's. You know, they're drawing them in, they're drawing them back in, which is awesome. Yeah, Loved they it. seem to have created a formula that. that attracts manufacturers weird that isn't it who knew it was possible yeah (laughs) i think the other the other thing that i came away from it feeling like was obviously because this was the 100th running of the 24 hour which was like 100th year 100th year not the 100th anniversary yes yes it's a 91st running i believe i'm right in saying right of course yes but like obviously it was a big deal but we've seen so much in the past couple of years of F1 like trying really hard to make everything seem like this big spectacular event and then watching this it just actually felt like it was a big spectacular event but kind of effortlessly like yeah it didn't need yeah. to try hard to Wasn't be enforced. incredible and one of a kind because it just was and yeah yeah well that's it isn't it yeah they're not they're not pretending no you know they're just i mean they don't need to pretend because it is a one of a kind yeah. of it happens yeah. once a year it's special for that reason alone they have a huge grid of cars yeah multiple classes racing there i was a bit disappointed to not to see um pro gt cars there this year i think next year they're having actual full gt3 yeah next year gt3s are back but lmp2s are going next year 
Yeah. yeah which again, that I, I, yeah, uh, mixed feelings about yeah. that. But, but still, like uh, Gary, we, we can't we can't end this without talking about Gary yes. Fifty Six as well. Jensen Button's NASCAR. Yeah. <laughs> so good. I mean, not just his NASCAR, week. but significantly for <laughs> us, it was Jensen Button's NASCAR. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was what a beast. Oh, it sounded incredible. And it was like twice the size of any other car out there as well. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what? There was there was shots, you know, when they were behind safety cars and doing the whole like um the whole reordering themselves into class grouping uh behind the safety mm. cars. There was bits where you saw it in shot with the other like GTs and especially the LMP twos. And it reminded me of, you know, the BMW memes from a couple yeah. of races ago from a couple <laughs> the big of months. MA memes. Yeah, and it was it just reminded me of the M8 again, just like it, it was really twice was. the size of an LMP2 car, but it was it was fast, like it it yeah. definitely outperformed what I thought it was going to do. Like I knew they'd be able to mix it with the GTEs, but I didn't think they'd be able to do what they were doing against them. Um, no, yeah, until their transfer case blew up, and then they well, had to go yeah, to that was a shame. And spend ages fixing it. That was a bit of a shame, but. I mean, at least they made it. They made it to the finish, and they were close to. I, I don't, I'm not sure exactly where they finished, but at one point they were close to being the best ever garage. They entry were one place behind the record in the end. Just yeah. missed out on it, but just missed the thing. The thing that's kind of sad about that, in a way, is the fact that because of this new thing, where after the safety car they shuffle the pack back to grouped by class to sort of stop, like hypercars getting tripped up by LMP2 and LMP2 by GTE and so on and so yeah. forth. Because of the way the Garage 56 classification was working, every time that happened, they were having to go to the very, very back of the pack like and start yeah. last. So they'd like work their way up to the front of the GTE field, then there'd be a safety car and they'd just have to do it all again. And if it wasn't for that, or like they'd naturally slotted in between the GTEs and the LMP2s, like where they were on pace, they would have easily finished as the best garage 56 result i think don't love that rule i i i don't mind i didn't mind the rule like i understand why they've done it and it it did sort of work out it's the overall but it's kind of the it comes from the formula one school of letting lapped cars through i guess it's, that's the well idea. it's like, like they don't want the slower cars interfering with the racing it's from imsa so they do it in imsa and the teams that didn't like it were basically saying, why are we doing this American thing when we're Le Mans, we're like world endurance, why are we doing this? But the main complaints were like from the likes of Toyota who were running at the front and obviously what they don't want is the hypercars that are like a lap down and having to fight through traffic or we're just having traffic in the way. They didn't want them like losing that disadvantage. So... I can see both sides of it. Like, yeah, the, the, yeah, totally. I think like that makes sense because like when you've performed, when your car's performed and you're in the lead, and the other car, you know, the first of all, the cars ahead of the uh, this we've somehow, we've somehow gotten into like a huge yeah, we've become an endurance racing rules podcast. Debate. I mean, there's there's not much but, um, more this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think when when you when you've earned your position and you you've you, your car has performed and you've not had any sort of um faults with your running during the 24 hours because a lot of it is just keeping your car going isn't it it's not necessarily always about having the best time on track being the fastest yeah. it's about keeping your car in a window where it'll perform and where you can do the most with it and where it won't break and 
certain teams do that and they earn position and they do well and other teams not so much and they fall behind and they fall so far behind sometimes that they're literally behind the other the other classes and it kind of takes away the opportunity for the other classes to beat the the classes above, yeah, yeah which is totally possible that's a scalp in his own right isn't um, it to be finishing ahead yeah. of something that's in a higher class and do you know i never it's actually thought about that basically. bit of it to be fair but like i mean I garage 56 more than a lap behind the field then it makes sense yeah but, but so, yeah I, the garage 56 I, I, thing is like the, a, a prime example of that really where they should have probably quite comfortably finished ahead of all the GTEs without exactly. any major problems yeah. of their own and probably like being able to get ahead of LMP2 cars that had had major issues and gone a few laps down or something from accidents or mechanical trouble. So they, they're, they're out of it all. They're the team that I sort of feel most sorry for. I think within the other classes, it sort of just played out more or less as it normally would have anyway, but yeah. they're, they're the ones I sort of feel most sorry for. Yeah. Well, on the other hand, as well, just just my final part on the topic is if you've had issues and you you've fallen behind, and I guess this is just safety cars anyway, I suppose. But you're already catching up loads just by because yeah. it's just one safety car queue now, isn't yeah. it? No, it's it's well instead of having groups of safety the, cars, three and then they it, merge them. Right? Three come out three come out and they, they still group them like they always have and if you pit you still have to wait for the next safety car group to pass you so you can join the end of it but then at the end of the safety car period they release the back two packs essentially to catch them back up and this is why it was taking catch so long pack. and then once everyone's caught up they do the reshuffling like it basically took like an extra two laps to get racing again which I guess in a yeah. 24 hour long race it's not that huge amount of time but well, it felt like a very drawn out process just to go racing yeah. again once they were happy with the circuit overall overall they ran over three hours of safety car running yeah in a 24 that's hour a race lot of safety cars yeah so much safety car that's like more than a grand prix worth <laughs> of safety car absolutely crazy um but yeah i, I mean i i think that is probably a a bit much, I think, joining them back up like that. I think yeah. if you've earned your advantage, then why? It's, it's bad enough that as a safety car anyway to wipe out an advantage. Why make that worse? Mm. That just seems like a silly rule to me. Plus, but like anyway. getting through traffic is a huge part of endurance racing. So yeah, yeah. it's just part of the yeah. job, isn't it? One last thing before we move on, and it's only going to happen again. They're going to get a lap around, and they're going to yeah, catch exactly. up again. It's not like it's they suddenly the can't get through traffic. Yeah. Um, one last thing I want to mention before we move on. We already mentioned a few for, former Formula One drivers. Brendan Hartley was an absolute yeah. monster in that race. Like in the yeah, end, yeah, they was. came up short and finished second. But man, some of the stints that guy did were unbelievable. He did a four stint. As yeah, well, didn't he? He did a yeah of, he did a, of um, base four stint stint. Yeah, of pretty much qualifying laps as well for most of it. Like yeah, yeah absolute demon. I think it shows you, like, because I was thinking about this, and it must be, these cars must be so, obviously so much more comfortable to drive than what a Formula 1 mm. car is because you they're designed to be driven by people for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And obviously the chassis can only take so much. The suspension has to be soft enough that you can keep taking those hits over and over and over again without breaking the car, without putting too much stress and yeah. force through the, through the components of the car. So they're inherently more comfortable to drive. So it is a little bit easier to drive that many stints in one of those cars compared to say a formula one car. 
but still like the effort involved and the G these cars can pull through corners yeah. to keep yourself going for that amount of time, the braking forces that they've got and stuff. They're not a million miles away from a Formula One car in, 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 in terms of the physicality of, of really, really doing push laps over and over again. So yeah, I mean, props to him for doing that. He's, he's done an amazing job there, hasn't he? Agreed. Yeah. Someone in the chat has just reminded me as well. <clears throat> One last mention is um, a guy called Fabio Schreer, who was in the winning LMP2. Uh, early on in the race, he got clipped by a GT in the pit lane. And I don't think he broke his foot, but he very much severely hurt his foot. Carried on, did all of his stints the entire rest of the race with an almost broken foot. Then for good measure, in the final stint, his radio broke and the team were using tape to make makeshift signs to hang over the pit wall to communicate to him for his last stint. And they still came through and won wow. the class, which was ridiculous. Insane. Was that the green and yellow? Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, the cool inter-Europol. Yes. That, was, inter that was the battle of the Polish teams at one point. Yes. It was, it was between them Polish and driver. WRT um, with Kubica in it. Um, and uh, Simiowski, is it, that's was the lead driver for that team because it's his, his team in it or his father's team or something like it's yeah. a family run team uh but yeah it was like poland versus poland and that was a good battle if you get a chance yeah. to watch highlights pick out the highlights of uh their battle for the lead of lmp2 sort of it was going into the morning i think it was the like 9 a.m or something yeah, right in the morning so i'm being yeah. told he had a broken big toe by the way for Oh, there you interested. go. Right, should we move on and talk about some F1 stuff? Um, just final <laughs> thing, final, 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 go final on. thing. We, we have th this, this quick Le Mans chat has turned into like a 20-minute <laughs> Le Mans chat. Um, the, uh, shout out to the Iron Dames. Yes. Yeah. Who, were in for, who I'm sure wanted to call themselves the Iron Maidens, but <laughs> copyright issues probably stopped. Um, they led the, the GTE AM class for a long, long, long time. Yeah. Uh, for, large chunks of that race at the end they fell away in the end but um yeah really really amazing performance from an all-female driver lineup yeah team there. they're very cool and a very quick shout right. out to the livery of the ort that was second in that in the gtes because it looked like oh a is dinosaur. that the sharp one it was oh, dinosaur. Sorry, the dinosaur one yeah yeah Rec oh Rexer. i know the one yeah that, that's on gran turismo all the yeah. time so if, if you're a porsche aficionado <laughs> like i am on gran turismo then you'll see a lot of that one yeah, yeah. shout out to that Okay, yeah, next one. So, a uh, bit, bit of news to catch up on the last few weeks. Um, Chris going to tell us about the Honda to power Aston Martin. Oh, yeah, of course. Honda yeah, to we power saw Aston this Martin huge news that we kind of missed out because I think we were expecting a couple of quiet races and we'd fit on some news and then, like, Monaco ended up being uh, mm -hmm. one of the longest podcasts we've done all season. But, yeah, so Honda are back to power Aston Martin from 2026. Um, obviously, Honda officially pulled out of F1 at the end of 2021, <laughs> but then sort of half came back to like manufacture parts and help red bull build the engines which are now badged as honda red bull powertrain engines but they're not technically officially hondas it's very silly uh but yeah they've decided to make a full return with the new um regulations that are coming in 2026 that basically said like f1's push for sustainability is why they want to do it so as a reminder, they're going to be carbon neutral fuel. The maximum fuels going down from 110 kilos to 70 kilos. MGUH is going, thank goodness. And the MGUK yeah. is going up from 120 kilowatts to 250 kilowatts, which is basically like 
having a, a Gen 2 Formula E car attached to your V6 Turbo. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty huge they're coming back. Um, I mean, Honda obviously think it's Much worth Much to it. the ire of Christian Horner and to Max Verstappen. Yeah, they weren't yeah, quite happy quite about that. I mean, Christian Horner literally sort of... said, if we'd known this, we wouldn't have bothered spending millions setting up Red Bull powertrains. Yeah. Um, to be fair, they've got Ford coming and joining them 2026, so I'm sure they'll be okay. But... Um, Good move for Aston Martin, I feel. Like, they're essentially going to be a Honda Works team, aren't they? Like, yeah. Yeah. Effectively. Weird. Aston Martin, Honda, like two yeah. quite yeah. sizable automotive brands. But, but then the other thing is, Aston have never ever made their own engines. No. They've always had engines from others. Generally, like, used I think Mercs Mercedes and stuff, yeah. In their road cars were doing this. Yeah. There was a time when Volvo were, were heavily involved in Aston Martin. In fact, there's certain Aston Martins you can buy. And if you peel off the Aston Martin badging from the key, yeah. there's the Volvo logo underneath it. <laughs> fun little fun little tidbit for you there. Um, I guess it goes back to the old thing of like, you're never going to be a manufacturer using their engine as a customer team, which I mean, technically Aston Martin have been doing that this season, but like, how long can that actually last? And having a direct mm. link with a, you know, being the only car using that manufacturer's engine. Yeah. Stay tuned for the storylines to, uh, to well, yeah. cover that one. Hmm. And honestly, this just feels like another step on. Again, a few years ago, um, Doran Stroll said, like, we are here to be, the, the plan is to be five world championships within, I can't remember exactly how many seasons he said, but like, have made all the right moves since he said that and this just feels like another huge step on that journey yeah um, i agree i think that pretty much guarantees alonso is going to be around until at least the end of 2026 as well yeah well i think when you can see the power that that car is generating the, the honda the current honda is generating because it is let's face it, it is a honda power train yeah um you know, however your budget it's still been honda engineers who've got it to where it is and you know Red Bull, yes, they set up Red Bull powertrains to manufacture the the components, but they're still they were still designed yeah. by Honda, so it's a Honda engine. Um, I think for all all of the talk of oh, what's what's Alonso going to think about Honda being the thing after the bad experience he had at McLaren? It's a different var. It's a whole different kettle of fish yeah. now. That that engine's very very much on a par with. Most of the other things, yeah, but, but probably at least on a par with everything else on the grid. So if not better, if not if not the best, it could be the best. We'll never know because we never get that kind of data. Really, you can kind of you can extrapolate from lap time, but you never know how many how much downforce people are running, how much drag they've got. So yeah, it's very very difficult to figure out. We all, we they reckon that each power unit is probably within ten or ten or twenty horsepower of each other, which is. It, when you're talking, you know, thousand horsepower engines, it's nothing. Yeah, it's negligible. <laughs> um, yeah, so exciting to see that for Aston Martin. So that'll be 2026. Um, yeah, yeah, that's good. Next no, it's exciting stuff. Um, a few bits of like personnel moving around that we've missed as well. So we'll rattle through it quite quickly. Um, first yeah. one is that Franz Tost is stepping down as Alpha Tauri team principal at the end of the season. Um, so like it's his choice he said it's basically just time for him to sort of step down and hand over um, I think he's kind of easing into retirement he said he's going to stay as a consultant until until the end of 2024 but yeah it's a slow slow step to retirement by the sounds of it um, but I didn't realise to read this he has been there since day one of Toro Rosso 
he was like one of the yeah. first appointments Red Bull made when they took over Minardi. So he's literally been there for the entire journey. It's only wow. Christian Horner that's been a team principal for longer than him. So long goals as well. Yeah, considering what yeah. he's had to work with, picked up two wins in that time and several podiums. That's not bad going. Nurtured some future world champions. <laughs> yeah, one or two. Um, hmm. He's going to be replaced as team principal by Laurent Mekis, who is currently the Ferrari sporting director and assistant team principal, which is uh, quite a big get for her. It is. It's a logical move for that guy, I mm-hmm. think, if for, for Mr. Mekis, if he's going to... They're an Italian team. Yeah. So it feels a lot like the James Vales to Williams switch, doesn't it? It's a guy who's got up to a certain point. He's ready to step into like a more of a leadership role. He's gone somewhere. There's a space. Um, And also he used to be there. So he was also there when Red Bull first acquired um, Minardi. Then he worked for the FIA. He was safety director and then deputy race director for a few years at FIA before he joined Ferrari in 2018. Um, and then they're also appointing another former FIA guy, uh, Peter Bayer, who was FIA executive director, and he's going to be become the CEO of AlphaTauri. So, mm. AlphaTauri yeah, to move back to Ferrari there. engines. <laughs> Guys, yeah, I forgot they used to run Ferraris. Yeah, yeah year old Ferraris they ran for a while, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Once upon a time, probably year old used Ferraris. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> um, uh, next one, McLaren. Yeah, I mean, I feel like every other week we've got someone either departing or joining McLaren. Uh, This time they're signing someone. It's a pretty big deal, actually. Uh, Rob Marshall, they're signing from Red Bull. So he was the chief engineering officer at Red Bull. He was there for 17 years, and McLaren have managed to coax him away to be their new technical director, engineering and design. Um, Christian Horner said that he described him as an instrumental player in their success, but he did say that they basically recently moved him into a new role that meant he was outside of kind of day-to-day F1 stuff, and he wanted back into that, and McLaren came along and made him an offer he couldn't refuse, basically. So, You know what, Chris? You're an instrumental player. Oh, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) That was unexpected. Um, (laughs) It's a big signing, though, for McLaren, like... He's been one of the, I mean, someone who's been, he's literally been a Red Bull for all of their success as a manufacturer yeah. in one of the top jobs. So big old signing that. Um, he is filling one of the spaces, well, one of the new spaces after the restructure following James Key's departure from McLaren. We now know that James Key's off to Alfa Romeo to be their technical director. Um, mm-hmm. He used to work there a good number of years ago, but I think more significantly, it means he's rejoining Andreas Seidel, who obviously used to be his team principal at McLaren, who is now um, the CEO of Sauber, which obviously becomes the Audi Works team in 2026. And if I were McLaren, I'd be quite worried by that. Like, who else is he poaching? Because, I mean, I, I still think... Lando Norris is going to be an Audi driver, if not 2026, a year or two after that. Um, that well, you heard it here first. <laughs> I reckon you, I think you might be right there. I, uh, it is telling that all of these people are sort of jumping ship from McLaren and following Andreas yeah. over to uh, Alfa Romeo. Um, 
obviously, Andreas Seidel did a lot of good work at McLaren. And right now, McLaren are really struggling since since the loss of him. It's, yeah, it's a tough, I think it's a bit of a tough time again for McLaren. They've got, they've got some serious, obviously, there's a, they, they are making inroads. They're, they're, Making they've made some big signings, especially the the Red Bull signing, the, the Rob Marshall signing from Red Bull. But that's going to take. They've 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 kind of sort of started a downward trend here, and it's going to take a lot more than a few signings to to dig yeah. them up back out of that. It's going to take someone like Andreas Seidel to to pull them back up out of this. I think. Yeah. So I suppose yeah, I suppose there's an element signings from McLaren. There's an element of some of these people joined under Seidel's time there, so like. It's kind of, it's kind of like when a, a football soccer manager like moves, and the coaching staff tends to go with them, or like eventually they go. It's like not the same, but I think there's an element of that of like kind of the going with the sort of leader that they've become associated with, and obviously if it's possible contractually, and yeah, there's an op- option to to go to a big factory team that it will be like Audi, then you know you'd be daft to kind of turn down the opportunity if he's offering it to you. So I think there's probably an element of that. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a, everything's going wrong at McLaren. So people are jumping ship, so to speak. I just think that it's a factory team, whether you're a driver, an engineer, like, you know, mechanic, it doesn't matter what your role is. If you have the opportunity to work for a factory team in Formula One, you're going to jump at the opportunity. So there's an instant selling point there, I think, um, for for him trying to sign anyone to that future Audi team. So I think there's a huge element of that involved. It's like it's why everyone wants to be in a Ferrari or be in a Mercedes. I mean, Red Bull is probably the very, very minor exception to the rule. And that's just because they've got brains like Adrian Newey behind the aero side of things that they might as well be a factory team because pretty much whatever engine you put in it, like they'll build an aero package that makes it work. Yeah, they, they don't. What you're saying is they don't quite have the heritage. They, they're a very obviously Red Bull, super super respectable team. Mm. They've won many 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 world championships. Um, in modern Formula One, they are you know a dominant force in, in modern Formula One. But they just don't have that same allure as a team like like Ferrari yeah. or like McLaren or like Williams. I would even say as goes go as far to say because they just don't have that heritage that same heritage and i think there are probably maybe 10 20 years off having that level of heritage yeah, I, think I, I think you know in 2040 if they're still around then yes i think you can say that you know they've had many many years in formula one and they're they're a historical formula one team I, they become at that point i i sort of see that i wouldn't use the word heritage for sure because they've literally not even been around 20 years yet as a institution unless you count previous guys right. as that, that team was before but I think, but that's why I'm saying in the future they've got the potential to become. Them. Yeah, I think I think the lure is there. Like the number of young drivers that they they get desperate to drive for them, and you know, going through the Alpha Tower in Toro Rosso as it was, and so on. Like I think the the lure is there. It's just, I mean, it all it all depends on the powertrain. Like when they when they had the Renault, they were not a team that, or later stage of the Renault, they were not a team where you'd think. Oh, I'm, I, I can't wait to get there. Like, whereas you looked at yeah. the Mercedes and even the Ferrari, and you were like, you know, that's a factory team. They've got everything's in their power to turn it around. Now they've got the Red Bull powertrains, and then and then like, you know, this potential thing with Ford. I think that'll change because 
they'll have direct integration between engine supply and car like like what they had for a brief period with honda and it is obviously worked from like look where it's gotten them to like that that's the lure of essentially being what was practically a honda factory team is car and engine are built with some sort of unison whereas when yeah. whenever you're but considered I, but, a customer team you've you've not got that luxury and that's where it ebbs and flows yeah, so, for red bull i think yeah compared to others yeah so what i'm what i'm saying is that even though Ferrari aren't winning races, yes. there are still many, many, many yeah. people who would want to yeah. drive for them. Even though McLaren aren't winning races, they're still yeah. they still have that allure because they've got the heritage. I think a team like Red Bull, yes, I, I agree the allure exists now, but I think if they weren't running, if they weren't winning the races, if they didn't have the car they've had over the last couple of years, if they didn't have the best designers, then they wouldn't necessarily have that same. Yeah, they wouldn't have the. They wouldn't have the pull of Ferrari or the pull of Mercedes. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. That's what. That's what I mean. Yeah, but I, you know, it's no disrespect to them as a team. Still, I think like they, they do have like a a very. They are a mark of quality in Formula One. They're they're a mark of quality across sport. I think Red Bull that you know not just in Formula One, like everything they do, which is why they're kind of strange in Formula One because everything they do in Formula One seems a little bit. They almost get, they're almost a little bit stuffy in Formula mm-hmm. One, whereas yeah. every other sport they do, like like the launch was just kind of like didn't feel like a proper a proper Red Bull event. Yeah. It felt like a Red Bull Formula One event. Yeah, and everything else Red Bull do, like the air race, the Red Bull air race is one of the raddest things you'll ever see. The um the the downhill soap, uh, soapbox racing yeah. thing they do is just hectic. All the action sports stuff they do in snowboarding, skateboarding, everywhere else, like really 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 cool interesting action sports but when it comes to the the most extreme of the action sports from the most extreme extreme sport <laughs> formula one which is what i always i've always called it that it they just don't have they just don't seem to have that same pull for me yeah. as what what all the other yeah what not all the other teams are what some of the other teams do real outlier aren't they to the rest of like yeah. that brand yeah but it's, you know it's a cool brand yeah Very cool brand I think Danny Ricardo probably encapsulated actually yeah. in 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 terms of a Formula One driver. Mm. I think Danny Ricardo is probably <clears throat> as a brand ambassador ambassador for Red Bull is like the perfect. He's, yeah, he's, he's the closest thing. Those two so well. Closest thing to a traditional like Red Bull athlete, as you would call them, for yeah. what you'd expect from like anyone in any other sport that they sponsored athletes in. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I mean, it's ju- it's just bloody cool, isn't he? It's, it's the happy-go-lucky attitude, it's though, cool isn't dude. it? Like that's yeah. that's kind of the nature of all the other sports that they sponsor people in and promote people in. Is it is quite like they're all sort of upbeat, happy-go-lucky, like carefree kind of people. Maybe because of the nature of the sports that they're yeah. in, but still, like like you say, in in comparison, the F one team is very um, stuffy yeah. and yeah. And I would actually call Daniel Ricciardo an outlier in that respect. There's not many free, happy-go-lucky, you know, genuinely cool Formula One drivers, really. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, if you look you look up and down that grid and tell me one driver that you think is actually, like, legit a really Yeah, cool 100% person. themselves I think all Daniel the time. Ricciardo is probably, like, yeah. the only one. Like Bottas has, like, semi-taken on that mantle, but not 
but the there's same still way. that like Formula One ness about them. Yeah. There's still that like corporate, like official, yeah. you know, toe the line kind of vibe. To if them. you're they don't really, do. and even even Ricardo's got a bit of it too. So, Stu, I can't believe you're calling a mullet and a handlebar mustache corporate. <laughs> oh dude it's like it's the most bogan like thing you can have like, all the all the aussies are doing it at the moment aren't they yeah they're all, uh, they're all loving their not all the aussies obviously but a lot of australia there's a, there's a subset of australian people who are adopting the mullet mustache so, look bogan on very awry when um oscar piastri isn't the most australian driver on the grid yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So true. Uh, right, shall we talk about tires, Chris? For very briefly, yeah. Last just little thing, I guess, to lead us into the next race. We've got the tire allocation for the next three races: it's Canada and Austria. We've got the softest uh, compounds of the range, which hopefully will mean multi-stop strategies for those two races. Silverstone, as usual, is the hardest compounds. Please don't have punctures. Um, and they're also bringing the the new constructions of the tires to help protect them from things like punctures um hmm. we'll see so that. yeah we'll see how all that unfolds with the tires yeah i'm, um, I'm glad okay let's do i was just gonna say just on austria i'm glad that they're sticking with that because they changed that on a bit of a whim if you remember it was the sprint race where they said we if you remember a couple of years ago where they were like we're gonna bring uh, the step lower for the sprint race and then ever since then i believe they've stuck with that because it basically promoted yeah. but oh no sorry it wasn't the sprint race so, sorry was it it was during covid when we had two grand prix there and one was like the austrian grand prix and yeah. one was like oh yeah the something else the grand prix, styrian grand prix styrian that was grand it prix. and for one of them to try and just mix it up a little bit they brought the softer compound to to make it a little bit of a different race and it just worked out so much better and i'm glad that because it worked, they've stuck with it ever since. Like, um, yeah, just just a quick comment on that, really. <laughs> no, I think well, I think it made sense at the time to to bring different compounds for the two different races, just to give it to you know. Otherwise, you're, you're repeating the same yeah. race again. Essentially, that's what they, yeah. were, they were afraid of. It wasn't necessarily an, an experiment to see which tire worked better at the circuit. It was just let's give a point. No, no, definitely, it was the same event twice. Yeah, it was more just the um, fact that they had the guts to stick with it because. It turned yeah, out yeah, better exactly. rather yeah. than that, that, backing out of it. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. It was commendable that they that they took that risk and it and it worked out really, really well for, for them and for Formula One. Um yeah, so um anything else on tires? Anyone nah. I feel like a steamrolled you a little nah, bit. You're fine. On the tire no, you're fine. Let's happy. move on from tires as quickly as possible. <laughs> all right, all right, okay. Um so storylines um going into the Canadian Grand Prix. Um Will we even get a race is the first one I've got written down here. Um, smoke from forest fires affecting the area. And Formula 1 say it won't be an issue, but we've heard that before. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's looking better now. Touch wood, it shouldn't affect it. But um... Yeah, hopefully by the time this goes out, this problem's gone away. But hopefully. I think it is worth bringing it up because it is, it's just the kind of thing that, you know, that they they sort of play down and then suddenly it becomes a real issue and you've got another race cancel you've got second race cancellation in three races yeah without getting on my soapbox the second race cancellation due to climate change as well but let's not uh yeah. let's not worry about that with our motorsport yeah, shall let's, we let's yeah. let's yeah let's just stick to stick to our audience <laughs> um, the the next one is will aston martin bounce back or have they been overtaken now of course we're talking about mercedes upgrades here um was the last one a bit of a a bit of a dud for them? Do you think they 
they've sort of slipped up a little bit or have they genuinely slowed down? It's yeah, obviously Alonso was kind of ever since he got floor damage in qualifying, that car never seemed to be quite right. Mm. So that makes it kind of hard to tell. Stroll Stroll had one of his better races in Barcelona, but then that's a difficult thing to measure against as well. So Mercedes obviously did take a step forward, but quite different circuits. Um, Canada's very yeah. stop-start, whereas Barcelona's very much medium and high-speed flowing. So, mm. yeah, I guess we'll see what suits them better. And where will Ferrari be as well? Like, Ferrari have had... Whoa, 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 whoa there, whoa there. You're taking up storylines. <laughs> <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> Um, yeah, the next one. The next. So, where will Ferrari? He's <laughs> the next um, one about Ferrari. Should, <laughs> should have should have actually written these into the document rather than just coming on the spot. Um, yeah, where will Ferrari be? In Ferrari have had a tough couple of races. They brought some upgrades to the last one. Didn't maybe quite work out maybe the way they expected to. They've got a lot more data to have gone back and analysed. Can they turn this car that seems to have gone backwards into something that they can set up to actually compete? with the top four teams because right now they look like the fourth fastest team yeah they they keep having glimpses of like seeming to have found something and then just still falls apart um and it, it still looks like a tire munching car as well which yeah uh, two circuits with the softest compounds and looking like it's going to be they're going to be quite warm as well they're going to be nervous. They've yeah. got it. If you're if you're if you're Ferrari, if you're a Ferrari driver, or if you're a Ferrari chief in principle, you have got to be nervous for this race coming up. Oh, for sure, with soft tires and hot temperatures. I think that's the biggest problem they've got at the minute, isn't it? The the tire issues. Yeah. I mean, it feels like it's been the biggest problem that they've had for the last few seasons. I mean, I remember <laughs> a time back when even it was Vettel and Raikkonen together, and there were races that they weren't as competitive in when they should have been because they couldn't maintain the tires. So Yeah, the car has the speed. It's yeah. got the qualifying speed. Yeah. It's just in race trim, it is yeah. I think in race trim it is the fourth fastest cars. They need to really maximize their qualifying in order to, you know, not maximizing their qualifying means they don't fall back quite as far in the race. Yeah, and that's not really what you want in a race car, is it? You no. want to qualify fast and then continue to be fast, have good tire wear throughout the running of the race, in order to maintain, if not improve, your position. And the Ferrari right now is a car that never looks like it's going to gain positions. It always looks like it's going to lose positions. Yeah, even against the Aston, the Aston hasn't looked the quickest. This certainly the last race didn't look the quickest, but I would still say in race trim, the Aston is probably faster than the Ferrari. Yeah, I'd, I'd say yeah. the same. Like, I think, yeah, I think Aston Martin is probably still second fastest at the moment with a bit of a blip in recent races, but I think the next two will show where Mercedes and Aston actually are side by side. Yeah, which leads us nicely into our next storyline. Mercedes upgrades, they're probably going to bring something more, I, I would say, again to this to this circuit. Um, they'll definitely have low. It's low drag. The circuit, isn't it? You want it's. It's kind of like a mini Monza. Yeah, similar. Like long, yeah. long, long straights. Like each, you're, straights you're sort of and fairly quick. Force, maybe even fairly quick chicanes. Like, yeah, yeah. It's um, 
So Mercedes are looking to extrapolate more from their more from their upgrades and you know understand their car more and more and more. I think based on the last race, they had excellent race pace. Um, so they'll be hoping, really seriously hoping to you know move take another step forward. I think this weekend and and get even more to grips with their new package. Um, and then the final one is Red Bull. Will Red Bull? win again are they going to keep up the streak of just winning every race this season is it worth putting a bet on red bull as we've chatted about in the discord winning every race all season um i won't tell you how to spend your money but yeah. <laughs> it's like some something's got to go wrong for them eventually but they just can't see where it's going to come from right now and i think yeah, that's they, they it isn't it? Untouchable. it it genuinely feels like if uh, at this point, it feels like if something's going to go wrong that stops them winning a race, it's going to be like a some sort of race incident rather than anything else. Like, it doesn't even look like it's got DNFs in it at the minute. I've said that they'll both DNF this weekend, but <laughs> it's it, rock solid. It, yeah, it just it, it just solid. looks solid and quick, and it's very reminiscent of the reliability combined with speed that Merck had not that long yeah. back. Like. Yeah. Is eerily reminiscent of the only thing that is going to stop them is them hitting each other, like Spain 2016. The only thing that can stop Red Bull. Red, is Bull. Red Bull. Yeah, basically, yeah, that is kind of what it is. <laughs> it's what it feels like. Yeah. Um. So, I might go find those odds. So, yeah, with all that in mind, it's time to make some predictions. I think I know what my first two predictions are going to be. I'll tell you right now. Fastest Verstappen, winner Verstappen. It's easy this week. Discord have just asked if he's ever been in the Wall of Champions. And I don't think he has. Mm, Not that I'm aware of. Maybe this is his time. He doesn't even need to push it that hard (laughs) to get a pole position at this race. Like, he'll be fine. There's no, there's no, uh, maybe I'm jinxing him, commentators curse and all that, but Max Verstappen is not going to be in the Wall of Champions (laughs) when it matters. No, that's the thing. If it's on a Friday, so be it. Yeah. Yeah. Have you got a prediction, Chris? Since our stew was so nice to just throw both his out there. <laughs> you don't sound resentful at all. <laughs> Who me? I'm or Chris? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which like, one? <laughs> all of the above. Yeah. I'm trying to like think for a way to not be boring about this, but I've got to it's agree not with about Stu. being boring. You've got to you've got to go for points, man. Like this is yeah. why we're, we're right. it's trying not to be boring. That's given us such bad scores. All <laughs> I'm season. like we need to be sensible. I'm not going to be boring, but I'm also going to have logic in what I'm saying. In theory, Hitters. Hamilton pole, Verstappen win. Okay. This is you're mad. You're a mad. This man. is a Hamilton circuit, and I've got faith in some of those upgrades. And I will also. Fan. Point DRS, man. The long straights, DRS. Wall of Champions, mate. Away. Wall of Champions. <laughs> mm, we've we've seen him throw a quality away on a final corner wall on at least yeah. one occasion, if not more than one occasion. More than one occasion. So, yeah, yeah I'm going to well. pull. Alonso was second on the grid there last year in an Alpine. So, yeah, yeah, mate. And he got a bigger cheer than Max Verstappen <laughs> yeah. as well, didn't he? So, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're all right on the win. Qualifying, yeah, it qualifying's been close this year. Yeah, there's there's room for there's room Very for true. something different to happen there for sure. Very true. First DNF, uh, Chris, why don't you go first on this one? Um, let's say 
I just saw two two renditions of Stroll popping up in the chat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was thinking home race. <laughs> Stroll on pole. One was for Stroll on pole, but it's worth an extra ten. <laughs> he needs more than a ten. <laughs> yeah, he does. That'll get him to like third, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say Logan Sargent. Okay. Stu, how about you? Why? Uh, I'm going to go with... This... Sergeant is a good shout, because he's he's really struggling, I think, Sergeant, at the moment. De Vries has kind of got himself in gear, and he's been looking a little bit better. Um, I'm going to say... No, while the champions. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no DNFs. No DNFs. Mm. Zero DNFs. No. Okay. I've just ordered an Aston Martin hat, so I'm gonna say I'm stroll. <laughs> Combination of I've ordered a I've ordered an Aston Martin hat and Lance Stroll is Canadian. Double whammy. It's a nice hat. It's a lovely hat. It's the British Grand Prix Special Edition for anyone who's interested. has a lovely Union Jack on the outside of the peak in the fluorescent yellow. It's Ooh, very nice. Thank, thanks to Paul D in the Discord for basically <laughs> just triggering my I must buy impulses Every by screenshotting it at me and saying, here you go, Tom. <laughs> so clearly, clearly he's got a vendetta of wanting uh, Aston Martin to not do well, thus encouraging me to buy the hat. Yeah. Paul's, Paul's in the chat now saying bold going three races with no DNFs, but Actually, yeah. I like to live dangerously. I like to live dangerously, Paul. Yeah. Uh, number of finishes, I'm going to be a little less optimistic than Stu and go 18 here. How about you, Chris? Even less optimistic, 17. Stu? Money, 20. Money mouth in. It's going all in. Yeah, put my money where my mouth is. I, I love that you do the... the sort of due diligence or whatever of uh, explaining that <laughs> to people for any, who don't, for any newer listeners who don't know what we're talking about we say <laughs> money mouthing <laughs> yeah but remember if you are new to hit the subscribe button if you're YouTube, just so you uh, oh, but if you like only if you like it if you don't like it then don't no even if you don't like I mean you can still you press can the subscribe button you if you don't if you want it's up to you maybe maybe if you're sort of moderate about it subscribe but don't hit the bell just hit the bell if you really like mm. it. There you go. But then what's the point? I don't get this about YouTube. What is the point? Shall we anyway, do our anyway, algorithms? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, give us a random driver, Chris. Kevin Magnuson. Ouch. <laughs> anyone got any... Anyone want to throw out there whilst we all debate? Have a quick glance at his finishing positions this yeah. season. 13th, 10th, 17th, 13th, 10th, 19th, 18th. Oof, All over the shop. Wild. Yeah, he's mental. Mm. I will step in with a sixteenth place. Okay. No, I won't. Fifteenth. Oh. Fifteenth. Okay. I should have said seventeen finishes. Fourteenth for me. Fourteenth for you. Unless you were going to go fourteenth, in which case you can have it because it's your turn. No, it's fine. Um, you were going to have it. No, I just, I'm just trying to work out who I'm imagining DNFing and why to get me to eighteen finishes. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go nineteenth. You know, what? I'm gonna have him as one of my DNFs. Like, not necessarily his fault, maybe mechanical, but why not? Nineteenth. 
So nice. That rounds out our predictions. Um, if you'd like to join in, it's always worth doing so as there is a prize for getting five out of five. And we actually had one last week. Um, so, yeah, we are in the process of sorting that prize out. Um, but, yeah, head to backofthegrid.com if you want to get involved. You can register if you haven't played before or obviously use your old account if you have. Uh, submit all the way up to the start of Q1, and that's when everything will lock down. So you can do a bit of assessment in practice sessions should you wish to uh, be a little bit more accurate than we are hopefully um that being said should we move on to a little bit of inbox gentlemen we've got a little bit for this week yep yeah let's do it um christian i set the first one sure first one from wesley hey man Will Canada be better than Spain or just different in showcasing upgrade packages? Uh, better or different? Um, I think it will be different. Yeah, I think it's um, different. But in terms of, do you mean in terms, I guess they mean in terms of showcasing what the upgrades can do? Like, yeah, he's, he's telling asking, like, if the field will be... It's, yeah. it's a different kind of aero setup at least. So yes, it will be different. I don't think it's better or worse i think it's just different elements it'll show you who's got a you know if people have done well after spain and then doing well here they've built something that's looking like a good all-rounder or somewhere close because yeah. you've got different elements of yeah. track essentially here like different style yeah, I, of circuit I, I, I think mercedes fans will be looking at this one very keenly mm -hmm. to see if they've got a package that's going to yeah. get them and Mercedes themselves to see if they've got a package that's going to get them through the rest of the season in a competitive in, in a somewhat competitive order yeah and um obviously it's important that for them that they are quick here because it, it has a whole bearing on the development of the car overall going into next season there's very little change into next season so they need to be fast here to confirm to get that confirmation that they what what they are doing is right yeah I agree so yeah Chris, do you want to, uh, I mean, Stu, sorry, do you want to do that? You do it. You, you can take Fair. it. Uh, Cody B says, hey, man, any thoughts on Ferrari's Le Mans win this past weekend? Was Ferrari's F1 team taking notes? Uh, well, we already we touched on that one, didn't we? Yeah, but, there, um, there is something interesting about the fact that Ferrari can turn up to a new class like that and in their first year back win one of the biggest races in the world. Like, obviously, it's a very different set of regulations and there's a lot... Well, in some ways, it's a lot more open than F1. In other ways, it's a lot more prescribed than F1, but you've, you've got to wonder... They tinker if... a lot more, don't they? Yeah. They tinker a lot more with the balance of power and things like that. They, the balance of performance, they try to... They attempt to make the cars roughly equal and make it a they bit do. more about the drivers and the driver team and less about the car itself. You've got to wonder though if there's people at the top of Ferrari looking at these two teams within the brand and wondering why one can do it so well and one is having such a hard time with yeah. it. Yeah, mm. allow me to present you with an answer. Severe balance of performance changes. That Toyota was a lot quicker before. It was. They, they they've done a lot to to rein that thing in. I think <laughs> that definitely helps. Oh, one more thing I wanted to mention on Ferrari as well. Their hypercar program is that um, the winning car at Le Mans this year, uh, all three of the drivers, it was their first Le Mans win, which is actually quite rare yeah. these days. Generally, teams yeah. like to put in one or two more experienced heads, but 
credit to Ferrari, they've basically stuck with their own stable of drivers. Like they're all drivers that have been with Ferrari, be it through F1 or GT programs or whatever. And they've kind of stuck with their stable and promoted them up. And I think there's, there's a lot to be said for that thing. I should take a lot of credit yeah. for that. Absolutely, definitely. I think it's, it's commendable that they've done definitely. that. They could have easily got, for that car especially, it's a good car. They could have they could have got anyone to drive Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They could have even thrown Formula 1 drivers, their Formula 1 drivers into that. Yeah. Car. In fact, maybe that's why Leclerc was looking a bit cheesed off. <laughs> I mean, to, maybe they did ask too many to maybe. Down. Like, who two, knows? two of like, the drivers across the team are either current or former F1 program because you'd got Giovinazzi in one car and you'd got Antonio Fuoco in the other one who's been like oh yeah, of course. reserve driver and in the academy. I don't think he's in the academy anymore because of his kind of where he's got to in his career, but yeah. like he's ex academy and he's current reserve driver and test driver. So yeah, yeah they, they're not short of like F1 related talent that they can throw into something like yeah. this. I mean, I, I want to live in a world where they the team the Le Mans teams that have got a Formula One team or the brands that have a Formula One team pick their Formula One drivers out of Formula One and drop them in oh, man. the Le Mans cars Please. for the Le Mans race weekend. Right. Why does that not happen? Like Ferrari could run Surely a third should... car for Le Mans next year and have yeah. one or both their F one drivers in there. Yeah. Like, that would be so yeah. good. How would cool would cool. it be to see Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc driving the same car around yeah. a 24-hour race? Yeah. And maybe even with Antonio Giovinazzi thrown into the mix yeah. as, as member yeah. of three as well. Three F1 drivers just taking it to the mark. And that like, would be amazing. You look at the NASCAR entry this year and what that has done for NASCAR's profile in Europe. Mm. Like That was instantly like the fan favourite car straight away. Oh, yeah. And obviously... You can't turn up and run a Formula One car as Garage Fifty Six at Le Mans, but like having current F one drivers going into the race would be such a easy way for F one to kind of grab oh. some of that attention and like. Yeah, I mean, you only have to look yeah. at when Hulkenberg did it whilst being an active driver, yeah. and then Alonso's presence there, which he wasn't active on the F one grid at the time, was it? It was like in his little gap in between, but even still like the attention that it draws across from people who main, maybe mainly just stay within that kind of safety net of what they enjoy in F1 and don't venture that far out of it. They're drawn across. I mean, think how many people have moved to IndyCar and following bits of IndyCar for the last couple of years because of drivers like Grosjean, Ericsson yeah. and whoever else, you know, I mean, Alonso himself going and doing the Indy 500, like drivers that they know and can relate to. And I think maybe sometimes that's it. It's, it's easier to maybe understand the benchmark of the sport when someone that's a known quantity yeah. quantity to you goes over there and you can sort of you can relate like where all the other drivers are actually at in terms of I know Fernando Alonso, I know Antonio Giovinazzi, I know who like I know whoever, I can relate to where the other drivers are at that kind of standard if that makes sense i don't know if that's an element of it i, yeah. I know yeah. i know it makes it easier for me sometimes because i sort of dip in and out of so much that when there's a couple of drivers in that in whatever grid it is that i know like indy indy car is a good example of that like i might catch one maybe two other races outside of the indy 500 that's pretty much it so to have drivers that i know established there is a really good benchmark for me to kind of work out like the talent of that grid i guess to some degree and like work out like where everybody is um so i do i do find it interesting that like that is sort of the thing that 
caused the appeal. And hopefully it's brought some like, you know, more traditional NASCAR fans and American racing fans to Weck and Le Mans. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. I think like, it's worked both problem. ways. I think like... we're a formula we were a Formula One world champion in the car. You'd think that some of them would even, maybe even come across the Formula One as well. Maybe. Well, yeah. Um, I, th- I think part of the problem as well is like, I, th- I think it's a bit of a hangover from like the Bernie Eccleston era of this kind of, oh, we're Formula One, we're above everything else. Like, do you mm. remember after the year Hulkenberg went and win it, the following year, they scheduled a Grand Prix on Le Mans weekend, so no current drivers could go and do it again because they yeah. didn't like the extra attention it was getting. And as much as there's less of much much less of that these days i think there's maybe still a slight hangover of that we oh, kind no. of no there is i mean look at look at the way they look at the, the way they look at formula e formula e is a dirty word yeah exactly yeah. like one like you, you know it's the sport that doesn't exist to formula 1 and it's the same i think it, there is an attitude of we're the only motorsport you know yeah like the, and i they and i think i don't know whether we're, we're unique as formula 1 fans who watch other motorsport but i do think there are a lot of formula one fans who don't really watch any other motorsport they just watch formula one and that's mm. it mm-hmm. you know really really major i think you drive to you drive to survive guys your new people to the sport who are just getting into motorsport i think probably they start with formula one and that's a huge huge part of the formula one fan base yeah. so the fear is that they'll go off discover other motorsports and realize that some, you know some of them say it quietly a little bit better, <laughs> and they'll maybe stop watching Formula One. I, I don't believe people will, but that's got to be the fear, right? If you're if you're running oh, yeah, Formula completely. One, people are going away to watch other you know, people going to watch rallycross, whatever. Like you don't want that. I mean, there's an irony that obviously they're all FIA based sports. Um, which I mean, I get that. Yeah. Obviously, Formula One's well, privately Formula owned. Two different, but yeah, like the two different the only thing that Formula One will generally acknowledge on a week in week out basis is its own feeder series, as in like F two yeah. and F three. Yeah, and that's because they're sort of junior products to their product anyway. So it's all under yeah, the they same don't umbrella. Even like the commentators. They don't even like it when the commentators mention other sports. No, so you can no. hear if anyone ever if they ever get a guest on and they accidentally mention like another sport, it I mean, all goes like there's just like a moment of quiet where it's like, oh, you shouldn't have said that. I mean, I know they're not all like directly F one because they work for different broadcasters and and such like, but like the, both Brundles, Martin and Alex, um, Anthony Davidson, like people like that who actively is still very much part of i mean paul deresta was racing in le mans this year like this this, yeah, this parts of that coverage program no matter like which feed you're part of that are very heavily involved in WEC and other parts of i mean jensen when he's on like think about all the different things jensen does but unless it's like the say sky sports specific bit there's like their own little bit of content and it's not the world feed version if that makes sense because obviously there's two elements to the sky coverage there's bits that make the world feed and bits that are their own unless it's the bit that's their own they don't talk to jensen about nascar generally speaking or whatever you know they don't really anyway yeah but like if they do it's kind of really out of the way you have to kind of almost go digging for it yeah yeah and i think there is like a bit of a Oh no! You, it's it's a bit of a faux pas. You can't talk about anything that's not Formula One or a feeder series whilst yeah, totally. you're on the coverage. 
But, um, you know, don't, I mean, this is the, the, we could go on for ages about this, but I'll try and wrap up a little bit. But like, <laughs> when you look at like the way they apply rules in Formula One, they don't, they never really take example from good things that happen in other series. No. So it is almost sometimes like they've got their head in the sand and they don't want to yeah. admit that they even exist. You know, there's so many good ideas around Formula E, around, around world endurance racing, around, you know, all these other motorsports that are implementing different styles of, of rule changes into their sport, which, you know, even a one GP, which is supposedly coming back, <laughs> there are elements to all these things that like formula one could take cherry pick and take bits from and yeah. make their sport better. Um, and they don't even, you know, for all the tinkering that they do, they never, ever, ever implement anything unless they thought of it themselves, unless they can <laughs> yeah. claim to have thought yeah. of it themselves. Or, or they'll at least make, you know, they don't want to be seen as copying anything else. Yeah. They'll, they'll they'll tweak it a bit or something to make it look like it's their own idea, yeah. essentially. Which is why, like, whenever there's a change, it's always so disastrous because <laughs> mm. they try things that are, that are just clearly not going yeah. to work. And there's there's so many other options that they, they're they scared to death of trying because it almost vindicates the other sport yeah. <laughs> that they end up with just the, the kind of the leftovers and they try and do those and everyone hates it and they get a load of flack. So... You've actually uh, uh, just quickly well reminded me of another thing that I really loved about Le Mans this year, which was as well as the normal WEC commentators, um, obviously like Andy Davidson normally turns up and does bits of it. Alex Brundle was there. I think Martin Brundle yeah. popped up at some point as well. But yeah. then they also brought in people like um, Alex Jakes, who's the, yeah. one of the current F1 commentators, and yeah. Lee Diffie, who's the lead uh, IndyCar commentator. And they were kind of there coming in, A, just to enjoy them on because they all love motorsport. But every time they were there, they were kind of talking a bit about the series they do full-time and comparing yeah. press and stuff. And it was such yeah. a good combination of people they brought in to do it. And yeah, yeah again, just being able that. to yeah. just talk about motorsport in general and celebrate it rather than be so blinkered to like, this is the only thing we're allowed to talk about. It was so nice. And I think you've nailed it there. I think that is... That is where that is kind of like we can wrap up on this because that's what Le Mans was. It 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 feels much more like a celebration of motorsport Absolutely. than than anything. You know, it's a twenty four hour race. Of course, there's like the, the the celebration of motorsport aspect there, but like the fact that they do get other people in from all around. It was like it was like the greatest hits of motorsport <laughs> commentators almost across the across the twenty four hours of the race. And obviously, they've got to get lots and lots of people in to do commentary because it's a long old race. Um, yeah. It, I, I agree with you. I really, really enjoyed that part of it. And I think, um, yeah, long may it continue. Yeah. World Endurance Championship is the ultimate celebration of motorsport and don't go changing. <laughs> so next episode, Any, we start covering Tom? WEC, yeah? <laughs> Back of the uh, WEC depends grid. How the, <laughs> depends, how, depends how good the Canadian Grand Prix is. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can find us on all of the usual social media places if you've got this far and um, thank you very much for listening if you want to subscribe to us like we keep telling you to please do that because it's a huge huge help to the show um if you like us even more you can find us on patreon it's back at the grid.com uh, sorry patreon.com slash back the grid you can find us on all the socials and yeah thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye, everyone.